This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, May 11th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Nissan expects a sales surge in North America, Honda's profits slip, and Subaru plans four new crossover EVs while other automakers delay their own. Plus, we'll hear from Daimler Truck North America CEO, John O'Leary, about how infrastructure gaps are holding back the zero emissions trucking industry. We've had people say, hey, we love the five that we took delivery of, and if we had a way to charge them, we would take, you know, 200 more. So that's the challenge right now is infrastructure. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Nissan is banking on North America to lead a global sales surge this fiscal year. The automaker said today it expects retail deliveries in North America to soar 29% in the current fiscal year, which ends March 31st, 2024. The market will anchor what Nissan predicts will be a 21% expansion in global sales to 4 million vehicles. Europe will also contribute a 27% sales increase, but from a smaller base. CEO Makoto Uchida outlined the forecasts as Nissan reported a 52% increase in operating profit in the fiscal year that just ended. That's despite a 15% drop in worldwide sales. Net income rose 3% to 222 billion yen, or about $1.7 billion. Nissan's confident that growth will be rekindled as semiconductor supply returns to normal. Honda expects a 19% rise in operating profit for the business year after operating income slipped 3.7% for the previous fiscal year. Japan's second biggest automaker believes full-year operating profit will jump to a trillion yen, which is about $7.4 billion. Honda says it expects higher sales volume and to benefit from a strengthening supply chain. For the fiscal year that ended in March, Honda reported an operating profit of about 840 billion yen. That falls short of analyst projection of 893 billion yen and its own forecast of 870 billion. Sales rose 16%. Subaru says operating profit nearly tripled in the last fiscal year. Operating profits soared to almost 268 billion yen, just over $2 billion. Compare that to $683 million the year before. Net income also nearly tripled to more than a billion and a half dollars for the full fiscal year, from $825 million the year before. Subaru is a latecomer to EVs, but during today's announcement, executives said the automaker expects to have capacity to sell 400,000 EVs a year starting in 2028 by adding a second EV line in Japan. That would be a pretty dramatic ramp-up as it tries to get 40% of its global sales from electrified vehicles by the end of the decade. As part of the rapid expansion plan, Subaru said it will also roll out four all-electric crossovers by the end of 2026, a jump from the single nameplate in the brand's current portfolio. All of the upcoming EVs are expected to be offered in the U.S. While Subaru looks to expand its lineup of electric crossovers, 
Polestar and Volvo are delaying theirs. Polestar has slashed its 2023 volume forecast by as much as a quarter and announced its second delay in launching its high-volume electric crossover. The Swedish EV maker will push Polestar 3 production to the first quarter of 2024 because of software development issues plaguing affiliate Volvo's new electric platform, which underpins the mid-sized crossover. According to Auto Forecast Solutions, Polestar 3 production was supposed to begin in August. Platform development glitches have also delayed Volvo's EX90 flagship. Production of the electric crossover was scheduled to begin at Volvo's North Charleston, South Carolina factory in December 2023. Volvo said that output is now expected to begin in the first half of next year. A source briefed on the matter told Automotive News that U.S. deliveries of the three-row electric crossover are pushed to the third quarter of 2024. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, Daimler Truck North America CEO John O'Leary talks about his company's progress in the zero-emissions trucking space and how infrastructure is holding up that progress. That's next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit rayray.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. Daimler Truck North America has been rolling out new models and concepts to demonstrate fuel-saving technologies that can be deployed as the trucking industry pivots to zero-emission vehicles. Earlier this year, the company unveiled its Super Truck 2, an efficient diesel big rig. Daimler is also selling electric E-Cascadia Class 8 tractors that work only with electric motors. Automotive News tech and innovation reporter Molly Boygon caught up with Daimler Truck North America CEO John O'Leary last week at the ACT Expo in Anaheim, California. Here's a piece of their conversation. I'm wondering how eCascadia sales are going. Yeah, so eCascadia sales are um, going okay. You know, we launched that product here a year ago, and the, uh, the ones that have got into customer hands, they've been super excited by it. They love the way it drives. The drivers love them. They, everything is good. The challenge is infrastructure. And so um, we could undoubtedly sell a lot more if there was infrastructure. In fact, we've had people say, hey, we love the five that we took delivery of. 
And if we had a way to charge them, we would take, you know, 200 more. So that's the challenge right now is infrastructure. Can you break down for someone who might not understand where the sort of um, pain point is for that? Is it with the utility getting electricity to the location? Is it a supply chain issue with the chargers? Where where does that kind of get slowed down? Yeah, I mean, it's primarily, I'd say, at the utility level of getting uh, power into the certain part of town where the customer resides and wants to basically have his charging station. So the switch gear that's required to do that, sometimes there's a separate substation that's required. That is typically on two to three year back order at this point in time. So if you decide you want something, you go stand in line and wait two to three years. Uh, and then, of course, you know that requires permitting and shovels in the ground to actually get the construction going and everything else. But that part of it is not so uh, problematic as much as just getting the, the power switched into a certain part of town. And what are your conversations like with utilities? What sort of solutions are they looking at for this problem? Well, I mean, we have conversations, but it's really usually better for the end customer to have conversations because they're typically the customer of that particular uh, utility. So their voice usually is a little bit louder than ours as somebody that might be 2,000 miles away. But we certainly try to prep them with what to say you know, in the in the lingo that, that utilities understand. But yeah, there's a lot of just conversations that are taking place. And of course, utilities feel under the gun because they're getting told by, you know, passenger car people to put in passenger car charging, which is different than long haul commercial medium heavy duty charging, you know, so they're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And of course, they have rate payers and financials that they're trying to manage at the same time. They don't have endless amounts of money to do it with. So a lot of different, uh, let's say, challenges for them right now. And what do you see the timeline being on this? I mean, going forward, how, how much longer are we going to be in this sort of snaggle with with getting charging infrastructure to, as you're saying, both commercial vehicles and passenger vehicles? I mean, the demand is just only seem to be growing. Yeah. I mean, realistically, at least on the, the commercial vehicle side, we're probably looking at, you know, three to four years before we start to see significant amount of uh, charging coming online. I, I want to turn to some of the new medium-duty trucking solutions that you've released, um, Ryzen and the EM2. Do you feel that the sort of medium-duty trucking solution has been found? I think that, you know, the, the heavy-duty and long-haul trucking conversation is sort of in a different place. But how would you characterize, you know, where we are in, in searching for a viable solution for medium-duty electric trucking? Yeah, well, I mean, typically when you're looking at a medium-duty application in terms of the, the amount of miles that it travels in a day, uh, battery electric is a great application for that. So whether it's school buses, which are medium duty, whether it's step vans that like Amazon and FedEx and others use, UPS, that's a great application. Or even the EM2 type of application, which is going to be typically used in like a box truck pickup and delivery type of application. Those are all really uh, perfect battery electric applications. So um, I feel like that is you know, one box we can check in terms of understanding what technology fits for what application. Like you said, for other uh, longer haul applications, potentially different uh, technology solutions there. But I do feel like we've kind of circled in on what we need for these kind of medium and short distance uh, applications. So what does that mean for where Daimler is kind of investing its R&D and just sort of, you know, the minds of Daimler, where, where is sort of the next step in terms of investment and finding that, that next great solution? 
Yeah, so we just continue to build out our portfolio. So we've got a lot of different vehicles. You know, our Freightliner Custom Chassis Group, which does school bus chassis and step van chassis and motorhome chassis. Our Thomas built school bus division, which has Type C already out, but not yet Type D. That's coming, uh, which is the flat nose school bus. Uh, and then on the truck side, like you said, we've done E Cascadia, we've done EM2, but we have others out there, such as the longer haul Cascadia, the all the Western Star products. Uh, some of these are probably more better applied for uh, hydrogen types of uh, fueling. So those are that's the direction that we're heading in right now is trying to have really an answer in the zero emission space for all of our products, at least by the end of this decade. In terms of hydrogen fuel cell, that's also, I think, an infrastructure challenge. It seems, I mean, are you optimistic about that? That that does seem to be, you know, given the battery weight concerns, where things are headed in the long haul space. But there is, you know, outside of the state of California, especially, there is an infrastructure challenge there. Can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, the whole thing with, with hydrogen is that it's several years behind battery electric in terms of uh, infrastructure. However, for long haul and heavy vocational, it's, a, it's really probably the perfect fuel. Now, the interesting thing there is you typically have companies like Shell, Exxon, et cetera, the big uh, petrochemical companies um, who are, uh, A, they've already got a lot of locations around. B, they're the ones that are going to ultimately have a lot of money to be able to expand this footprint, uh, as well as some of the big gas companies like Linda and others. So I think there's a lot of uh, money behind that uh, and a little bit more, um, call it more of a corporate uh, focus uh, as opposed to battery electric, which tends to be more utility and kind of more uh, public focus historically. So, you know, I think things will move quickly there. But again, we're starting from a very low point of implementation at this point in time. So it's going to take some time to scale that up. What what are you hearing from fleet owners and from truckers about hydrogen fuel cell powered trucks? I mean, are, are they, I think the the original now seemingly a very long time ago, the original attitude toward um, electric trucks was, I think, skeptical and there was a lot of range anxiety. Um, what are you hearing from fleet owners and, and truckers about hydrogen? Yeah, I think they're more um, willing to listen to that. I mean, A, because they, they understand it a little bit more, especially what we call um, H2 ice, which is not the fuel cell hydrogen, but the internal combustion hydrogen. They understand that because it looks a lot like a diesel powertrain today. It's basically the same transmission, the same axles, even the engine looks the same. It's just fueled a different way. So they're, I'd say, probably more comfortable with that. But yeah, I mean, it, people look to us to provide answers. You know, they know trucking, they know how to get, you know, a pound of freight from here to there for the least possible cost. But they're not always so up on the technology. Some of them are. The larger ones have very extensive engineering organizations and they know uh, everything that there is to know about their vehicles. But for the most part, people are looking for us to provide some of those answers. And so we work very collaboratively with them. We have them come into our engineering spaces and talk to them. And uh, everything we develop is really uh, co-developed with them, uh, whether it's dealers, customers, suppliers. We try to bring everybody together and not just, you know, come up with something in kind of an engineering vacuum that we think might be brilliant. But at the end of the day, the customer doesn't. So, again, it's really all about uh, collaboration. John O'Leary is the CEO of Daimler Truck North America. He spoke with our own Molly Boygan on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. 
That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Muir, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to our own Hans Grimo, Nato Akamura, Irvash Kakaria, and Jerry Hirsch for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on tech and innovation, earnings results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about marketing dealership sales and service together to drive customer retention. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.